Hello, hello. Here we are again, uh, Broadcast Team Alpha. And uh, something incredible has happened that has only happened to us once before in five years. And I'm going to tell you, and you're going to see just very shortly. First of all, I want to say uh, we are here. We are uh, on three TV stations and 19 platforms of our own and 32 platforms through Cosmic Awakening Network. So we are close to 50 platforms by getting out there now. So this is phenomenal. And uh, we have chosen a little different route than many of the others that uh, all they care about is to get many numbers on YouTube. But we decided to go wide because we reach more people and we can affect more lives that way is our thinking on it. And uh, hopefully it's a good thinking. Anyway, we are here for some cutting edge conversations. Uh, discussing quantum possibilities today. And my name is Agi and my co-host Nori cannot be here tonight because a friend of hers fell. And Nori being a nurse, she had to run over and see how badly she was hurt. So we wish them well and we send in some good thoughts and everything will be okay. On top of that, we had a guest tonight that was uh, Paul Wallace in Australia. He was going to get on, but he woke up this morning in Australia. That's tomorrow, you know. So uh, he was he was sick. He just couldn't do the show. And I found out just a few minutes here before the show. And the best thing I can do is to call two friends of mine. And they saved us because we're going to have Preston Dennett and Dolly Saffron here with us. They are some of the most interesting and wide-scoping experiencers and uh, UFO researchers in the country. And we're going to discuss uh, probably some eight to ten of the most interesting cases that people have run into when it comes to the extraterrestrial issue or the interdimensional contactee issue. So anyway, um, just don't go anywhere because this one's going to get good too. And uh, I, uh, let's see, uh, I also want to give a shout out to Conscious Awakening Network. Uh, go to Conscious, uh, look up Conscious Awakening Network. We are transmitting also through them, which puts us on Roku and uh, all the kinds of different places out there. So uh, they are a compilation of a lot of different hosts that is putting their shows through there. So it's kind of in one place you can get about, I think about 30 different shows that you can choose from. So go have a look at it. I think that will be a very interesting journey for you. And of course, let me also tell you how you can get a hold of us. You can get us on broadcastteamalpha.com and uh, also on YouTube, Broadcast Team Alpha, that's the same name, and 40 other platforms you will find us. So I'm sure you can find us somewhere. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. It's going to help us a lot. And also, if you're watching us on any other platform, please like us. But try to come to YouTube and watch it there instead, because that's where we monitor the chat room. And uh, you can participate in the conversation and talk to other people and see what they think about things and so on. So uh, it's going to get interesting. And also, I want to tell you about a spiritual think tank that Nori and I have put together. We've done that for three years now. We have an incredible group of people there, phenomenal minds. And we are doing things that, according to the laws of physics, should not happen, but it does. We bend the laws of physics sometimes, and we seem, it seems like we are creating out of seemingly nothing sometimes, especially when it comes to healings and also abundance. And we have been pretty good at creating rain on a pretty much clear skies to put out fires and stuff. And uh, 
if you want to get in touch with us and have a look at that and see and possibly see if there's anything there for you that you want to participate in send us an email to the mastermind connection at gmail.com the mastermind connection at gmail.com and uh, i'm going to introduce the guests here in just a second but there's something i want to tell you first and it deals with the real power of the spoken word and the power of thought and that is something that happened to nori and i two yeah two days ago we were talking and i told her that what are we going to do we should plan ahead a little better than what we have done. What are we going to do about if somebody just cancels the show about a half hour before the show? We got to find another guest or we got to find something to talk about. So, uh, and she told me, and I think I'll quote it. Why do you want to create that? Uh, I said some lame things about I'm not creating, I'm just like to plan ahead. Yeah, she said, we're good at this, we, just, we can handle it. And that's where we left it. Two days ago, I said that. Today, Paul Wallace in Australia texted me a little over a half hour before the show and said that I woke up with uh, some swelling. I can't do the show. Folks, did you get that? We just talked about it and it happened. I wish it wouldn't, but boy, oh boy, was that powerful proof that your spoken word and your thoughts can create in your reality. Just think about that. Some of the stuff you say about people or yourself, man, think that over. Because you create your own reality. I've been saying now for a long time that whatever you allow to dwell in your mind the most is what you're going to have in your life. Okay. That was my message for today. And now let's go ahead and enjoy the guests. I have Preston Dennett and uh, Dolly Saffron with us. And uh, this was so fast, I really didn't find a good way to create any introduction to speak of. But uh, Preston, he is a best-selling author. And he just got a book about, oh, I think maybe a little bit ago, about the, I think it was the, the 10 most interesting UFO cases that he had run across. And this is going to be good because I had a peek at them. And boy, oh boy, I tell you, you're going to like it. And then Dolly, she is a retired nurse. Uh, I'm sorry, Nori is too, but she is not here. And she is an experiencer. She had I talked to her. In fact, we, uh, we did a show before once. And she had some phenomenal experiences. And I would like for us to talk a little bit about that because there are some things that many of us, we know these things are possible. We know it happens, but then we forget and we slide back into the box again and we keep doing what everybody else is doing. We got to keep thinking forward and thinking outside of the box. And these two people are two of the best people to bring that message to you. So welcome to the show. Thanks Thank very you. much. Yeah. Nice I'll to be talk, here. Yeah, I've talked way too much. Now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I, I looked at your book there, Preston, and even the cover looks good. So do you have some phenomenal cases in there? I don't know. Where would you guys, there's so much to talk about. Where do you think we should start on this 40-minute, 40 45-minute journey? Oh, gosh. You know, there's 20 different chapters each outlining uh, 
separate person or people, really, his experiences. But one that comes to mind, which is really special to me, involves a gentleman who's actually from Argentina. It's not often I get to interview people who are out of the U.S., uh, but with this book, I did have the opportunity to interview someone from France, someone from Peru, uh, someone from, you know, all over the world, really, Canada, across the U.S. But this gentleman, his name is Hector Sawiak, and he contacted me because he was, he had an experience which quite baffled him, and this involved a healing and he wanted some information about this and found my book about UFO healings. And so that's why he reached out to me. I love this man. He's an excellent witness. He was a bank manager for Argentina's largest bank. He's a pilot with many hundreds of hours of experience, a commercial pilot. So just a, a fantastic witness who had no history of encounters. So this is unusual because usually contact starts at a very young age does not appear to be true in his case it started because he expressed an interest in ufos and this does happen you reach out to them they reach out to you and how this happened was super interesting because he heard about ufo sightings in his area and wanted to see a ufo he'd always been kind of interested and believed in them but that was really it he didn't think about them that much uh, but went out of town, got a telescope, binoculars, and spent the night out in the outside of the city because, you know, the city lights block everything. And was really disappointed when the clouds rolled in and he didn't see anything. So he left kind of, you know, disgruntled, a little bit unhappy about the whole trip because it was a good hour to get out there. And it was that evening he went to bed and was woken up in the middle of the night, about 3 a.m., by someone calling his name, Hector, Hector, in his mind, telepathically. So he instantly jumped out of bed. He's not sure why he did this. He ran to the window and looked out and saw a brilliant yellowish white light zooming across the sky. Now he knows objects in the sky, planes and satellites and so forth. And this was none of those. He says it was brilliantly light and moved pretty much in a straight line, but it was too uh, slow to be a meteor. It lasted a good you know, five or 10 seconds and way too fast to be any conventional aircraft. And besides, he felt like it called him out to the window. And it was just a short time, about a week or two after this, that again, he was lying in bed and woke up and saw two beings, one about five and a half feet tall, one about six feet tall. Both were wearing kind of these shiny blue jumpsuits, had really pale skin, uh, very large eyes, but weren't really grays as we think of them, more human looking. And he was terrified, instantly overwhelmed with fear until they said, you have no need to fear we are not here to hurt you. We are here to heal you. And he said his emotions did a 180 degree turnaround. And he felt what he, and I'll just quote him, a love like I've never felt before. Um, we've all felt intense love for our partners, perhaps, or our child or a sibling or parents and so forth. He said it actually was beyond that. This was an overwhelming, all encompassing love that he had never felt before. And one of these beings walked up to him and actually cradled his head and said, we are here to heal you. This was odd because he wasn't sick, not that he was aware of, but this being pulled out a little pill. It was a, just a tiny little thing, triangular shaped, and told the man to eat it, told Hector to eat it, eat it which he did obediently, had no taste. Uh, he had no fear whatsoever. He just swallowed it. And he was crying just out of love for this being and fell asleep, woke up in the morning. He could still feel the tears. His pillow was wet. Uh, the beings were, of course, gone at this point. And he told his family what happened and they didn't know what to make of it because this came out of the blue. Uh, but they did support him. They did believe him. And uh, yeah, further question revealed he had no prior encounters 
nothing happened after this. The only real effect was that he felt slightly nauseous for about a week. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. But I like this story because it defies sort of the standard model of contact. People describing being taken on board and having a scary abduction, so to speak. And he did he, he say what, they, what did they look like? Did he say anything about that? They looked like us, or did they look yeah. great? Yeah, they were very human looking, but their skin was more pale, blue eyes. Uh, they did have hair. I believe it was blonde, and oh. slightly larger heads. Not really. Very very thin. Uh, so basically, you're human-looking ET. Sometimes we call them Nordics. I don't really like that term. I think it's a little misleading because I do have cases of human-looking ETs um, involved. Does, what does he do now? What's I mean, he? since you've spoken to him, what 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 was his life path? Did he tell you that? Uh, yeah, he's really obsessed with becoming educated. In fact, following this, he's decided to pursue more degrees in education and consciousness. So he's really pursuing that. He's he's into he loves sports, he loves astronomy, he's really into flying. But he's now really much into learning and just learning everything he can about awareness and consciousness. He was using words I had to look up. I don't even know the <laughs> meaning of some of the words he was saying. I'm like, what is that? Ca causistry. I had to look that one up. Um, so, yeah, he's really into the whole field of consciousness, which definitely fits in with contactees. Something like that would really change your life. I don't care who you are. Uh, uh, you could be the worst scuzz bucket in the world and you have something like that happen. It would change you. Yeah. And it was a recent encounter, too, 2015. So mm -hmm. not that long ago. That's amazing. Did he report it or did he just go straight to contact you? Uh, no, he did not report it. Uh, he mm -hmm. was a bit shy at first, but he did. You know, I said, is it all right if I use your real name? He says, oh, absolutely. He was honored to be part of the book, to share his story. He feels it's important that people know that ETs are doing this sort of thing. And he doesn't believe that they are here in any way to hurt humanity or anything like that, which I thought was very refreshing to hear because he did his research and he found my book and he was shocked because yeah, that book, Healing Power of UFOs, outlines 300 cases, uh, which of course do come from all over the world. Yeah. So if they got into his bedroom at night, they probably like the greys are doing, they're just coming through the wall, I suppose. They are scrambling their being, so they walk through the molecules and the atoms of the wall, and this is a technology that... I don't really know how that would work, but there is a lot of different species that is doing this. Yeah, def de definitely. Most ET ethnicities use the same exact technology. They're that evolved. They're all pretty much on the same page evolutionary-wise. And um, it is light technology and dimensional technology. Uh, light technology uh, involves the dimensions. You can uh, facilitate uh, an environment where you leave this dimension, you're half here and half in another one, and that's how they walk through objects or they come down out of the sky in a beam on an energy ribbon. They are capable of doing that. That's how they, you know, move from place to place when they need to get in real quick. So, yeah. yeah. And there are, well, frankly, people who are psychically evolved on this planet, enlightened masters and mediums who have reported this as well. Brazil's yeah. most famous and greatest medium who could speak like 30 languages in a trance, including dead languages displayed his ability of levitation in front of a room of scientists. They actually had him bound up and he went right through the wall into another room that was locked and closed. Uh, there's a number of cases like that. So this is apparently an ability that's also psychic as well. All of it is psychic, that's right. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. I wish that's... I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I could do it out of body, but I haven't been able to do it physically. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know about walking through the wall, but that's, I guess, <laughs> doors are for. But I, uh, and that you got some other stories in that book too. You said about several, I mean, 20 some. Yeah, yeah, another one that is a little different, which I just find fascinating because I hadn't heard one not personally. I've certainly read about people who've claimed to have seen elves and fairies and dwarves and gnomes and as you know if you examine the cultures across our planet there's a long history of i would say little supernatural beings often very short but ireland for example has the fairy lore which is if you look into it very compelling but i never really researched it in depth and, and never talked to anyone personally though i did a few times talk to people firsthand a few contactees who said they'd seen fairy-like beings but this gentleman, his name is Galen Sharp, contacted me because he wanted to know if I'd ever heard of what he saw. And this was back in 1940, let's see, 45, I believe. Yeah, in Englewood, Colorado. He's four years old. And suddenly this, he describes it as looking very much like an elf, comes out through the wall where the bookcase was, and introduces himself, gives a name. Uh, Galen does not want to give the name. It's personal to him. Uh, but this guy was wearing, you know, some a shirt, trousers. He was bald, had a, a little mustache, and was, was an old man, but was like three feet tall. <laughs> and basically was just a very cheerful little elf. They had a little conversation and said, I'll see you later, and walked through the wall. So he ran to tell his mom, Mom, I saw a little man. His mom's like, oh, you have an active imagination. Uh, and, and that confused him. He didn't really understand what imagination was. This was real. You know, this was absolutely real to him. And he got confirmation of that later because he thought this was just one visit. But nope, this little being showed up at least five or ten times. These visits were always very short, five minutes or so. But he started to share all this incredible spiritual wisdom with Galen, who at that age couldn't really grasp most of what was being said, other than that it was fascinating and just really bent his mind into new ways of thinking. And this he knows it was physical because occasionally this little elf-like creature would actually pick up objects and juggle or bounce them on his head or, or push them over and do anything to make Galen laugh. And he's How like, tall the guy? Yeah, he was about three feet tall. But they, feet? So they were, yeah, they were meters. very close to the same height. <laughs> but, yeah, he was, you know, definitely not a little kid, this, this elf-like mm -hmm. being. Uh, Galen's nickname was Topper because he had long blonde hair that kind of floated around. Oh my. <laughs> so he was really cute himself, but, uh, this being had no hair, but yeah, like wore a little green, I mean, kind of old fashioned clothes, yeah. not, not, not like button down dress shirts or anything, but what you might see in the 1800s, uh, li like little leather boots yeah, uh, no, and a, a belt. Uh, but one day he sh this little elf showed up and brought a friend who was about a foot taller, four feet tall. <laughs> And, and that time they were outside and they played on the wood pile and talked for a little bit. He tried to tell his mom and parents, but they just didn't believe him. He's no. the only one who saw them. And then it turned out that his parents were like, well, we have to move. And Galen was really upset because he thought he's not going to see his little friends anymore. And next time they appear, he's going to say, come with me. And so that's what happened. They appeared and he's like, I, I have to move. Can you please follow me? And they became very solemn and said, no, we cannot follow you. We have to stay with the house with the, in this area, which he thought was very interesting because later on in hindsight, as an adult, he's like, I may be the only one who had a quote, imaginary friend reject him. <laughs> uh, but no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. They lived in the same space as him. That's why they couldn't go. That's where they lived. Yeah, yeah, I think 
I think that's exactly it. But this, it's such an unusual story uh, because uh, he wasn't a lonely kid by any means. He had a sibling. He had many friends. His parents were adoring. There was no abuse going on or anything like that. Uh, he was a happy, normal kid. So he doesn't, you know, he can't relate this to the imaginary friends we see in people who are perhaps suffering from a lonely childhood. Did they have a message for him upon leaving each other? No, only that they that he they could not come with him. But it did affect him profoundly because later as an adult, he ended up writing some very well-received books, four of them, on consciousness and duality and God and very, you know, philosophical topics about enlightenment and these sort of things, uh, mm -hmm. which are doing quite well, really. And he speculates that whatever this being was talking to him about, it's probably coming out in his writing. And further questioning, you know, because I asked him, could this possibly have been a screen memory? Because we do see screen memories of people who have ETs. Yeah. Have anything from owls and deer to cartoon characters, superheroes, clowns. And this would fit in there. But he never experienced anything like an onboard encounter. Mm -hmm. He did later in life have two or three UFO encounters, one fairly close. Uh, he and his wife shared a close-up sighting of a saucer. Uh, but no, he does not believe this was an extraterrestrial. He, he doesn't know what it was for sure. Yeah, these are the small guys that we have a lot of stories about these back in Norway, up in the north yeah. there. Yeah, Sweden also started. Yeah. Some of them Absolutely. call them trolls, you know, and they're, they call them gnomes or whatever, but they are real because there are so many people that have seen them. Right. Seen where they live. There are big trees and there are holes in the trees and they, they go in there and they have looked inside of these holes sometimes with flashlights and they actually see things that resemble chairs and tables in there. Amazing. So, there's some wild stories that older people back in Norway and Sweden and Finland and in Scandinavia, they have yes. these stories about the experiences. And my yeah. mom told me one of those and it, it was, uh, you know, it scared her a little bit. So she didn't look in the, the tree, but the, the, the footprint walked up to the hole in the yeah. tree and she just went home. But uh, I wonder what she would have seen if she had looked in there. You never know. Yeah, I suspect that there are still lots of these little guys around <laughs> because yeah. I was looking into it to see if I could, you know, get other cases like his. And I, yeah, there's ones coming up all the way to the current day. I mean, his was back in 1945. So that's what mm -hmm. it is some time ago. But yeah, there are current cases of this. It's really mm -hmm. quite astonishing. I had, I had no idea that it was still going on. Uh, but yeah, apparently lots of people, I, I heard accounts of winged fairies. Uh, and yeah. other types of little gnomes and dwarves, and you name it. It's like, wow, I did not know. Well, you got a lot of stories in that book. What is another good one? <laughs> ah, yes, I do have a lot. There's 20. Well, one that comes to mind, which I haven't shared yet, so I thought this would be a good opportunity, uh, involves a lady who does not want her name used. I use the pseudonym Pamela. And she was in her home one day. She's about 22. Uh, her uh, sister is there. Her brother-in-law is about to drive up. And she's got her little two-year-old and another cousin, who's five, out playing in the front yard when she hears the kids screaming. So uh, one of the people in the house, I think it was her... I'll have to remember this. Let me think for a second. Yeah, it was the brother-in-law. He was there. Uh, went running out to see to check on the kids because they were screaming and he's like Pamela come out here right now and runs out there and there is a huge 50 foot flying saucer right over the tree where the kids are playing and it's not that high up it's maybe a couple hundred feet it's got little lights all around it this is daytime by the way 
morning and it's got this silvery chrome finish to it so it's reflecting the sunlight like a mirror it's got little portholes all around it it's a classic saucer totally quiet and she screams her brother-in-law is like just frozen in astonishment <laughs> he can't talk he's like oh my gosh i don't know so she goes running for her kids who are running towards her and she basically runs right under this thing grabs the kids and runs back and they stare and watch this thing for about 15 minutes until one of their relatives her brother i believe it was came driving up and as soon as he did this thing took off and so they're all talking about it. He's like, oh, my gosh, you know, what are you talking about? Like, we just saw this massive flying saucer. And all Pamela could think was not again, <laughs> not again, because this has been an ongoing thing in her life. As a very little girl, about five or six years old, she was biking with her best friend. And they had this object, this oval object, come right down and hover over them. And they biked home and it followed them home all the way, which was two miles. So that was another 20-minute encounter. She finally gets home and runs inside and tells her dad, this is in, in Maine, and she says, Dad, look at that. Is that a blimp? And her dad looks at it and says, that's a UFO, honey. Her dad was in the military. He's very familiar with aircraft. She's like, really, Dad? He's like, yeah, I've seen them before. That's a UFO. And off it went. And it wasn't long after that. She's 14 years old. And this is the big experience, uh, but it certainly wouldn't be the last. She's in her room and wakes up to see these figures coming through the wall. And she did not know what they were. She you know, was raised somewhat religious and thought her first thought was demons. Yeah. Because these short little gray beings with large black eyes, big heads, they were grays. And they surround her bed and grab her arm and say, we want you to come with us. She said, no, I don't want to go. They said, no, it's okay. You don't have to be scared. That made her even more scared because in her mind, she's like, well, if I don't have to be scared, that means I might be scared. Why would you say that unless there's something to be scared of? So that kind of freaked her out. But she felt unable to resist as they pulled her through the wall to the front yard and she was shocked to see this craft landed on the road right in front of her house. And her first thought was, well, it's covering the entire road. <laughs> There's no way any cars can get by. This was, of course, in the middle of the night in a small sort of suburb. But they pulled her on board, and she said it was quite cool inside. This was a hot summer night, so inside it was much cooler. And they're taking her to the window of the craft so she can look out and she got an incredible shock because by the time she made it to the window this craft was way above earth and looking down she could see the earth far below her she got a little bit of an attack of vertigo dizziness and uh, she said take me home <laughs> and they said well we need to do this and basically she doesn't have clear memories of this but she does believe she was laid out and examined She's not entirely sure, but she has some vague recall of that. But what she does remember is about six of these little grays lining up when in walks this taller gray, which is more human looking. It's like half gray, half human. And it's wearing this sort of frock or this dress, this gown. And it looks at the grays and looks at her like, what is she doing here? Looks back at the grays like, are, are you finished? Are you done? And looks at her. And Pamela's like, just please take me home. I just want to go home. And that's pretty much all she remembers. Mm -hmm. But uh, that turned out, you know, she told her parents the next morning. And her mom's like, please don't talk about this. You know, this can't be true. And her dad's like, really? I totally believe you, honey. Wow. I'm, we know this is real. And she's like, thanks, dad. I, that's really important to me because this did happen. And yeah, throughout life, each of them would have encounters of some degree. Yeah. And she had real strong psychic abilities following this. She married, she had kids, she had one other, if I may, really interesting incident was she stepped outside and this UFO comes really slow over the house. 
and she's like paralyzed with just amazement. She had stepped outside because her son was late. He was supposed to be home, <laughs> and and she's waiting for him. And it's it's getting late, and he's like fourteen years old, and she's just watching this UFO go slowly by, and it, and it's gone. She runs back inside and tells her husband, "He's like, why didn't you come out and call me? I would have loved to have seen that." She says, "I couldn't move. I was just amazed." Uh, she doesn't feel like she was paralyzed by the craft. It was just the whole shock of seeing it. Yeah. So they're out there on the front porch talking about it when their son comes running up. He's like, Mom, Dad, you're not going to guess what I just saw. <laughs> of course, he saw the same UFO. And yeah. I think this was an intentional thing. They are. It showed itself to her and to the son. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, Sounds like her dad maybe had seen something himself. Yes. More than likely, it's generally generational with the yeah. people on the planet. They, they keep up with everybody, so not surprised. Yeah. yeah, later her sister saw a UFO landed in the forest. And as I was putting her chapter together, and I sent it to her, and she's like, this is, this is all correct. This is what happened, but I have one thing to add. My son... Just recently, this was just like hmm, two, three years ago, uh, finally admitted that he had something come into his room. And she's like, well, what do you mean, honey? She says, I don't know how else to describe this other than it looked like a big bug. She's like, what kind of bug? She says, well, praying mantis would be the closest I could describe it. So mm -hmm. he's not really educated on you. He <laughs> doesn't know that this is a thing. And uh, he said, yeah, I walked right up to his bed and stood there, and he fell asleep. So, yeah, definitely generation. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, we're a little over halfway into the show, but uh, before we go on to other stories, let people know about that book where you have them all compiled into. Show, show us that book also where you can get the book. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this because of my... Uh, maybe move it around a little sideways or something. Oh, there we yeah, go. There you go. So yeah, it's called Humanoids and High Strangeness, 20 True Encounters. And uh, yeah. like, as I said, cases from all over the world involving all kinds of people, reaching back decades all the way up to pretty much the present day. And I really wanted to include a wide variety of really interesting humanoids. So yeah. we have little beings, praying mantis, Fairy dwarves, angels, uh, religious figures, Bigfoot, an elf. And <laughs> I mean, you name it, it's there. Uh, Human-looking ETs, a variety of greys. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting that there's yeah. so many different types of humanoids, as Dolly can attest to, because in the book I wrote on, about her, Symmetry, she's encountered many of these kinds of beings. Yeah, yeah and that's on Amazon, right? Yes. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. But there are. Uh, have you run into anything that is interdimensional? Something that just kind of poof shows up. Yes. Um, yes. Let's um, hear about that. ET craft are biological uh, vehicles. They're created biological so that. The, the an entity can indwell it and fly it with a pilot and it's a psychic connection between the two of them they fly interdimensionally and the beings that come into the vehicles are a uh, fifth dimensional non-corporeal entities they are from the fifth dimension specifically from the fifth um there are other beings that will uh, pilot them as well i've seen a light being aboard of a vehicle that actually blew my mind uh, they're non-corporeal as well, although they can represent as corporeal if they want to, they can show themselves. Uh, there are interdimensional beings who are, much like uh, Preston was describing in his first story, they, are, they look like elves and they do not live in the third dimension, even though they're in the same dimensional space as us. They're in the fourth dimension, almost into the fifth. And they all the dimensions are in the same place, like where you are, I am, and Preston is, are 12 dimensions, two below us and nine above us. And we're all right here together. We are dimensional beings as well. We just don't uh, understand it or utilize it because we're not all using our psychic abilities as we should. 
there are uh, they are interdimensional beings and they visit us all the time people talk about having guardian angels where they were saved or they were talked out of doing something stupid or whatever this is an interdimensional being that lives with you sees you every day and will make an effort to guide you counsel you help you like a guardian angel um it's amazing most people who see angels are seeing light beings who look just like angels they represent like that they look like they have wings sometimes because that's religiously that's what we understand in our mind they'll show up like that it, it's really interesting as i'll get out there are a couple other beings that i've seen that are um uh one of them is very strange to me and i've never talked about it with preston because i don't know how y'all gonna accept this or not okay <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things that happened to me when I was young, I grew up um, mostly in Miami and I swam all the time, was on boats, in the water. And one of the things that fascinate me are mantis, praying mantis, okay? When they're babies, if you hold them up, they have eyes and a nose and a mouth. They look like little critters, you know? They're very, very cute, with little paws in there, you know, so they can flutter their little flaps. And these beings look like mantis to me, huge interdimensional beings that are light beings mostly but they look like mantis and the first time i saw one i stood there with my jaw on the ground i couldn't talk i mean i literally i was like amazed like he described that person i couldn't move i was shocked to my core and and then i thought well okay here we go why did you represent like a mantis and he's he literally said to me i evolved and this is one of my uh representations of my evolution through time and wow. i was a being much like this at one time and i thought you would enjoy because this is how i enjoy representing and i was like oh cool <laughs> you know it just blew me and then i had a thousand million billion questions about that because we have mantis here and i know that animals are sentient and it, i went from there <laughs> but yeah they you can if you have seen something that you can't describe to anybody and it showed up or you can see it moving around about you, whatever, you're looking at an interdimensional being. As a psychic, I see beings all the time around me dimensionally because I'm, I have heightened awareness. And everybody else could too. It's amazing. Now, a lot of them work with us through ETs that are third dimensional, like the Greys and the Nordics. And they work cooperatively together to come here and uh, watch over us. We're related to them. And uh, we're supposed to be evolving as well. And we're kind of, you know, important to them as beings go, because we're all consciousness. And that's why you see all kinds of representations back and forth when people are talking. That's why it's so interesting to hear their stories, you know? That's why I like to listen to Preston talk. Well, <laughs> well, I'm, glad you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> angels, because there's one lady in the book who had all yeah. kinds of ET experiences from a little girl on. <laughs> lived in a haunted house, so was familiar with apparitions and ghosts as well, very psychic, had out-of-body experiences, but in a really hard time in her life, because she went through some pretty severe child abuse with her father, who passed away, and then her mother had extremely ill health, and she was having to care for her mother while um, trying to raise a child uh, as a single parent in a haunted house. <laughs> and uh, she had just put her mom to bed and went to finally fix herself something to eat pretty late at night and walked out of the kitchen with her little dog and was going to go upstairs and the dog stopped and looked up at this thing on the stairwell and that's when she looked up they have very high ceilings cathedral ceilings that go almost 20 feet high and there on the, at the foot of the staircase was an angel now janet is her name is not religious <laughs> she just isn't <laughs> And that absolutely shocked her to see something like this. But she says, you know, I don't know how else to describe this as it was an angel because it had what looked like wings. I said, well, were they wings? She says, well, they looked like it, but it was more like a glowy thing in the shape of a wing, kind of a glowing aura. But it looked at her. It was moving its head and looked. it had a face. And the dog was looking up at it, too. It was moving around. It was wavering slightly. And it just emanated love and peace and joy and gave her a message that said that things are going to get very difficult things are going to change for you it's going to get very difficult but you will get through it and it did it got horrific her mother her health declined rapidly and it was very difficult for her to 
to get through until her mom actually passed away. But she said without that angel having coming, uh, it gave her the comfort and the courage to face these things that she was going through. And it really helped her. And she said it was so odd because she wasn't religious and she isn't now. You know, it didn't change her to fundamentalist religion, but it, it definitely yeah. made her question things. So I don't know. I don't know if Dolly, that was an angel or not, but I don't know. It's an interdimensional being of some kind. Well, let's, let's you know, when you talk about angels, yeah. come to think of it, they're aliens too because they don't live on Earth. God is an alien. He doesn't live on Earth. <laughs> Everywhere, but he doesn't live here. So these angels, most of them, I think, is projecting themselves as we would see, or would like to see them. I have never heard of anybody saying, I saw an angel. He had a big head, slanted eyes, black eyes, and I have never heard that. Have you? No, I certainly um, haven't. No, I've never seen one like that. <laughs> but you bring up an interesting point. I was taught by ETs that they, they can biolocate. They bilocate, okay? In other words, they can be clean across the universe and they'll bilocate to here. They're not exactly all the way in here with us, but we see them and can interact with them pretty much. And then they go, and then the, the, the connection drops and they're still home and we're still here. It's like a, it's like a psychic, physical telephone call between two points in, in the universe. It's very, very, very cool. And then mm -hmm. I was told that we are, have the ability to learn how to do that. You know, I haven't yes. achieved it. I don't think I'm going to in this lifetime. It's going to take a while for me to. But yeah, I think that biolocation is doable by us because we we have those same energies. We, we're consciousness. We're part of the whole thing. And uh, we can call up that kind of energy to do that. I can remote view and it's almost the same thing. Only I can't send my entire body somewhere for people to see. They can only see my consciousness. And people say, oh, I see a blue orb. Yeah, that's what you're seeing. That's my consciousness, a blue orb. But they can actually physically biolocate. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, there are people on Earth who have done that. Padre Pio, Father Padre yeah. Pio reportedly did that. Milarepa, uh, yeah. an Indian saint, was well known for that. Uh, that's definitely something people have reported. Ordinary people have been seen in locations where, where they're like, well, I was thinking about going there, but I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. A very famous case where a whole classroom saw the teacher walking up, walked into the class, and poof, disappeared. And then later the teacher she comes running and she says, sorry, I was late. And they're looking at her like, oh, my God. No, you weren't. What just happened? <laughs> we are connected a lot more than what we normally would think like. Nori and I do that. We could not necessarily have talked all day, but in the evening, my time, of course, she's on the East Coast. She calls, and about five seconds before that, the phone rang. I reach for it, and I think, "Oh, I got to call Nori." How yeah. many times have that happened to you? Yeah. Oh, you millions! Think yeah. of somebody, and boy, they call right then. I I, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, do you think maybe it's possible? that you're talking before the show two days before, was your intuition letting you know that this was actually coming without knowing it, you know? In other words, you were trying to, you had the intuition to know that you need to prepare in case of, and that um, this person, their spirit, their consciousness already knew the body was gonna have a problem and was projecting to you somehow yeah. to let you know. I was wondering that too, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's different ways. It, it may be a possibility. We are that connected. That's the point. We we can feel yeah. one another. And if we have personal contact with one another and know one another, those connections get deeper and stronger. And if you're preparing for a show, you, you're working with this person already. I know because you called me a whole week before and we chatted for a while. You know, yeah. you got to become friendly. And I'm just I'm just that's what I'm thinking anyways. So, you know. When it comes to that connection, I think absolutely everything is possible. Yeah. 
I think that I could have somehow connected with Paul in Australia, or it could have been that, see, we create in our own reality, and we create everything that is in it. He just happened to be in it. Right. Like you are right now. When I created that concept being possible, it went into the quantum existence. It's sitting there as potential for physical creation. And then it came back. Yep. We intend a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I, I know that when I want something in life, you know, in other words, I ask myself, is this something that's good for me? You know, do I need this or do I want it? And uh, I, I wonder about how it's going to affect everybody around me first. And then I set the intention in my mind. In other words, I intend for this to happen. My mom knew that I did this and she used to blow her mind. It, when I was leaving uh, Pine Mountain, I had a log cabin up there. And I needed to get my parents off the mountain into town near a hospital. They were getting uh, very close to needing to be really close to hospital. And my mom said, you can't sell the house overnight. And I said, watch me. And I, I intended, ter- I intended for it yeah. to happen. And I called my neighbor who told me once two years before that, you know, if you're ever interested in selling, just call me. I didn't know if he was serious about it or not, but I intended for him to be. And when I made the call, he bought the house three days later and I was able to move my parents in town. That's, I that's contactees. Yeah, contactees yeah. do this all the time. I knew this one contactee, we were going out to eat and she said, just need you to know that I usually get my meal for free. I'm like, what are you talking about? She says that, don't know why, but the waiters always spill their, the food on me when it comes. I'm like, yeah, right. Of course, it did happen. And I was watching her closely to make sure she wasn't being sly, <laughs> sticking her foot out and doing like, hey, <laughs> no, it just happened. And it was funny because it fell right on her lap. A little piece of it went flinging towards me and hit me right in the face. A tiny little drop, but it was on her. <laughs> I busted up laughing. I mean, it was funny because she predicted it. And I've watched her manifest stuff by saying, you know what? I want a boat. And she found this boat super cheap. I couldn't believe it. She's like, now I just need a slip to put it. Let's go down to the marina. I'm like, you'll never find a boat slip. This is Marina Del Rey. These slips cost thousands of dollars a month. She walked right up to one and started making friends with this guy. And he's like, sure, you can put your boat here. No problem. Yeah. Just manifest it. She was good at it. I have something, too, that strengthened this connection with the quantum existence, and that's this one. Uh, the dowsing rod, right? That's a pendulum. Uh, Nori made this oh, one. Pendulum. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I take it to the grocery store, check out the food before you buy it, and people look, kind of look at you funny one day. But <laughs> this has a way to connect to the quantum existence and give you an answer to questions. Yeah, I've looked into that actually, because yeah. what it does, it's a way to bypass your conscious mind and get your analytical mind to step aside and access your intuition directly. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a good tool. It does work. It's very, yeah. you know, people are all down on the Ouija board. The Ouija board honestly is just a piece of wood. It really is. But it's dangerous to use because a lot of the yeah. times people are not using the right energy, you know, and yeah. psychic abilities and Calling meditation and white light. And you can call down a, a low-level spirit. Yes. It's, it's, it's similar to that sort of thing because, yeah, there's all t- types of tools. People use tarot cards. I talked to a psychic, Judy Hoffman, who used playing cards, and she read me like a book. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, she knew names, dates everything it was amazing to watch and she didn't know me she did not know me she's very uh, famous that, that, yeah. way, but... once in a while you run into somebody that's really good i had that happen one time in romania but mm-hmm. i was still back in europe about a couple of years before i left and went to the united states i went on a trip when visiting somebody in romania and there was this gypsy and she just came and he walked, she walked, and it was a crowd of us. And she walked into the crowd, grabbed my hand and pulled me into her tent. And she says, you need a reading. It was kind of an off English, but I could understand her. 
And she told me things that she had no way of knowing. So there are some really good ones out there. Most of them probably are more or less average, but there are some really good ones. And on the fifth or next month, we're going to have one on here. That's uh, yes. right. That is doing it for uh, Jenny G is coming back to give readings. And that's oh, wow. going to be yeah, I always love getting a psychic reading. It's it's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, one guy he he read me. And he's like, "Well, I see some books above your head." And he said, "It's Arthur Clarke, you know, Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein." Do you read science fiction? I'm like, "Yeah, I actually own all the books they've ever written." <laughs> I was I'm, I was huge into science fiction. Still am, honestly. But he knew it. Yeah. He's like, "I see a plane above your head. A little red plane." Does that make any sense? My my dad had just bought a little red plane. I mean, it was you could, it was a mall, a little Cessna, but he saw it and he knew names, dates, people. Some psychics yes. are very general, but when they're specific like that, there's just hmm, it's amazing. Yeah, once people start pulling out dates and the age of people and things like that, you know they have it. Yeah, he he started laughing. He says. The spirits are telling me that you want to interview me. <laughs> I was going to come up to him after the thing. Can I interview? And I laughed. And he, says, he, and he says, yes, you can. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. We'll talk. It was funny. Mm -hmm. Brian Hurst was his name. Do that? Have you called him yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's in one of my books about ghosts. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he's an amazing, amazing medium. Wow. Yeah. Boy, time is going fast when you're having fun. <laughs> We're down to the end of the show here. Show the book again and tell where uh, you can find it. Maybe also mention some of the titles of other books that you have. Let me see if I can get this to actually work. If, uh, you, if you go to Amazon and put in Preston Dennett, it'll show every book you've got on Amazon. That's Humanoids and High Strangeness, 20 True Encounters. And of course, there's Symmetry. It's an amazing disappearing book. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I have a bunch of books. Wondrous, Symmetry, Not From Here, Onboard Encounters, Inside UFOs. I love this subject. I think it's really important that people understand we are not alone. And I appreciate the opportunity, Agi, for having both Dolly and I on the show. Yeah, and uh, just remember, we'll go to Amazon and put Preston Dennett in the search bar, and then it'll come up several things with his name in it. Click on, uh, click on Preston Dennett in books, and then all of them come up. So yeah, that's good. So uh, I think that the UFO issue is opening up now. It's going to, it's, it's comfortable now to talk about it. Finally, yeah. When it gets to the point where the government is saying, yeah, we've been talking to them for decades. We just haven't told you. People's going to come to you, you, Dolly, you, Preston, and others out there listening. They're going to come to you and say, what is the story on that again? Is this something I should be afraid of? So be there for them because they will come. Yes, I know. Yeah. They already are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Yep. That's amazing. Right. It, it, I'm glad it's finally becoming something that people aren't shooting down or ridiculing or criticizing. It is. It's important because they do exist, and we yeah. should be able to have a relationship with them. And it's important. And yes. we will. Secret for years, like most contactees, did not yeah. tell anybody. It just wasn't safe. Yeah. So now a lot of people are coming forward, and it's really encouraging. Yeah, a lot of people have talked about things like this, and many people have had experiences and never talked about it. I've seen quite a few of them, of course, flying as much as I did. You know, you see stuff. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, You've had experiences, right? Yes? Yeah. 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 <laughs> when you come on our show next yes, week. Yes, we're going to do that. 
<laughs> we are definitely. I so everybody that, here, come look for him next, there next Monday. No, next not month. next Monday. Yes, next Monday. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, 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 I'll spill the beans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, thank you very much for being with us. And uh, gosh, I'm sorry that Nori couldn't be here, but I hope her friend is good. So anyway, well, thank you very much for being here, Preston and Dolly. And uh, we will see you again, if not before, 